It's been said it was the most important Anglo-American friendship since FDR and Churchill. Today, we'll talk to the author of Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, A Political Marriage, about the common bond and faith of these two world leaders. And a new movie is drawing praise for its pro-life, pro-family message, and because it's a good movie. We'll talk to the producer of Bella. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. We have lost a great president, a great American, and a great man. And I have lost a dear friend. That's former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, and she said, I have lost a dear friend. She's talking about Ronald Reagan. When he died, she delivered that eulogy. And in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Nicholas Wapshot. He's written a book, Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, A Political Marriage. He talks about the role that faith played for Thatcher and for Reagan. And we're talking about presidential leadership these days, and everybody seems to want to identify with Reagan on the Republican side. Well, what made Reagan so great? And do we see those characteristics in any of the candidates today? And what made Margaret Thatcher so great? And what made for their great partnership? We're going to talk about that at the half hour. But first, have you heard of this movie, Bella? In fact, if you've been to see it, I'm going to want to hear from you in just a few minutes. We're going to want you to call in or to email us. But this movie, Bella, is uh, sweeping the nation. It's, it's very popular. It's uh, won some film awards, uh, the Toronto Film Festival Award, for instance. And um, pro-lifers like it. Conservative Christians like it. But uh, people in Hollywood like it. And... Artists are enjoying it. In fact, I want you to listen just to get a taste of this. You'll remember the singer Tony Bennett. And I want you to hear Tony Bennett's reaction after seeing the movie Bella. This is a work of art. This film is a work of art. This is a real film. This is not a corporation film. This came not only from the heart, but the intellect. Every moment in this film, this is one of the masterpieces and one of the reasons as an authority, I can tell you, because I was a movie usher in an art film for many years. And I knew the good ones from the bad ones. This is a work of art. And not only that, it's, the most, it's all about timing, you know. This is a film 
that with our social problem right now between Mexico and the United States, this is the most important film that every citizen in America should go see. All right, that's singer Tony Bennett. He says this is a most important film that every American should see. What is that film? It's the film Bella, and it's at the theaters right now. It's Friday. It's movie night. Tomorrow is Saturday, movie day. And I am urging you to go out and see this movie, Bella. Now, Tony Bennett's one thing. What about Neil Cavuto on Fox News? I want you to hear what Neil Cavuto has to say about this um, this film. Here's Neil Cavuto, and he's actually interviewing the star of Bella, Eduardo Verustegui, and he's talking about how he came to make the film. Here's Neil Cavuto. It's amazing. This movie, Bella, is... I don't want to give it away. Mm-hmm. So had a couple that to make a wrenching choice, uh, and and the issue that has transcended cultures and languages all over the world is resonating with all types, religious groups who are pre-booking theaters, mm-hmm. buying up tens of thousands of tickets. This has never before been done. You know, it's been a beautiful dream because five years ago, you know, I had a dream of making films that will have the potential not only to entertain but to make a difference. And I'm from a very small town in Mexico called Hicotencal. This is northern Mexico instead of Tamaulipas, below Texas. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I realized that Latinos since the 40s until today, we have been stereotyped in a very negative way in the media. Always the bandido, the prostitute, the criminal, the thief. And if you're good looking, then you're the Don Juan Latin lover. In other words, the woman, the right, woman right, right, you know? Right. And very few times you see Latinos having the opportunity of being heroes. And I'm not talking about heroes like Superman or Spider-Man, you know? I'm right. talking about the, the real hero, the everyday hero, a man that is willing to sacrifice everything to help his family, a, a man of integrity, a man that is honest and loyal and faithful to his wife, and a real hero, you know? And women as well. Actually, more often we see women being stereotyped as an object. And when I see my family and I see my three younger sisters, my mother, my grandmother, my aunts, they are not objects. They're the heart of the family. They're full of wisdom. They're beautiful. So that's when I had this conviction of opening this production company. And Bella is our first film as a producer. All right, that's Neil Cavuto interviewing the star of Bella, Eduardo Verostegui. And uh, this movie, Tony Bennett says, every American must see this film. I remind you, this film winner of the Toronto Film Festival, People's Choice Award. And with us right now, live on the phone, to talk about this movie, Bella. It's at theaters tonight, tomorrow. Uh, It's doing very well. With us to talk about it is Leo Severino. He's producer and co-writer of the film Bella. Welcome to the program, Leo. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Leo. uh, I think uh, for folks who have not seen the movie yet... Uh, the first question they're going to ask is, what is this movie about? Well, I like to steep it all in mystery, Jerry. But before we get to that, <laughs> I want to thank you for all your fine work. You know, you guys are doing in the trenches every single day what we hope to do in films here uh, and it's inspire people to goodness. And what this film is about, in a nutshell, it's, it's about family. It's about sacrifice. It's about faith. But it's not a religious film. It's a film about a guy who had everything and lost it all. And in losing it all, he found everything that matters. And what matters comes in the form of a, of a gal that he meets and r- spends a day with her in New York City. And the ending is so amazing that people, people, people cry and people laugh. It's just, it's just wonderful. The, re- the audience response has just been amazing. 
All right. How long has the movie been out now? It's been out in two weeks in limited release. And this week is our our first week of big expansion. We're opening in 20 new markets and almost 200 more city, uh, 200 more theaters. So this is a big, big, big weekend for us. I'm going to ask for everyone's prayers. All right. Well, I want to ask people to go, actually, and to buy the tickets. Well, that too. That would be nice. Yeah. It's Friday night. It's movie night. And you got Saturday. You got Sunday. And, uh, you know, we just played a clip before you came on of Tony Bennett coming out after the New York premiere. And he was wowed by this film, just really blown away at the the beauty of this film, um, the art, the imagery. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to hear from Chuck Colson. He's he's done a, a, a strong commentary on this film. Uh, you know, what's your favorite thing about this movie? What makes it work so well? Why did it win this Toronto award? Do you think? Well, I think we we made a film. Well, two things. I think first, our mission. I think you 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 showed the part of, or you played the part of Eduardo when he was on Neil Cavuto and, and just kind of given the, the basic spiel, not going deeper, talking about the real conviction that happened in our hearts, which is turning to the Lord and doing something beautiful for him. And that's that that was the inspiration. And I think it was Beethoven who said it. He said, you know, whatever comes from the heart will touch the heart. And that's what we try to do with this film, is make a film that came from the heart, but the heart that our Lord wrote of that is, you know, the law that is written on our hearts. So we tried to do something that was pure and that was clean and that was family oriented and up, uplifted faith, uplifted integrity, uplifted family values, and that resonates with people no matter what sort of ideology they're coming from because the laws are in our hearts. So I think that's exactly what happened in Toronto. Toronto isn't exactly, I mean, I hope none of your listeners are, I hope that your listeners are, are from there, but, uh, you know, it's not exactly the bastion of, of, of Christianity and, and of, of <laughs> objectivity, right. you know what I mean? It's a little more relativistic and atheistic. And audiences there left like any other Christian audience might leave. They left inspired and touched and crying and gave us the award of the festival, despite the fact that it was that's the biggest film festival in the world. Thousands of films are submitted, only a couple hundred get in. And the winner of this award normally goes on to win the Oscar, which I don't want to, you know. Who knows? Wouldn't that be great? Well, yeah, well. this uh, is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Leo Severino. He is producer, co-writer of the new film, Bella. And if you've seen this movie, I want you to call and give a reaction. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. Or you can give us an email at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Uh, Leo, um, I'm thinking, you know, um, guys want to know, Maybe about the chick flick. Would you call this a chick flick? I mean, if, I wouldn't. Uh, when we actually, when we <laughs> when we wrote the film, when we had our first cut and we tested it. We thought, oh, you know, girl, this is going to be more of a of a chick flick. It's going to be more girls because, <laughs> you know, the tag is is a love story that goes beyond romance. But what we're talking about there isn't a romantic love. It's it's more of an agape, sacrificial love that goes on in the film, and it's also a friendship love, a philia love, which is just a love between people not not romantically so we thought either way it's going to resound better and there's a hero it. theme there is a hero theme to this movie exactly and that's what we found is that when we did the market test it went pretty much across the board 51 49 women to men um with their favorable ratings i mean uh, across the board it didn't matter whether you're, you're male or female even young or old everyone seemed to respond to the universal themes of the film and to us that's just that's just beautiful because we didn't expect it but uh guys you don't need to worry you're not going to you know You'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And, and by the way, if you find yourself crying and you're a guy out there, hey, listen, it's all right. All right? <laughs> okay, Leo. Okay. Leo, last question. You know, uh, on this show, we try to talk about the Christian worldview. You know, it's not just about heaven and hell and the Bible and Jesus. It is about those things. But Christianity is about all of life, including the arts. And I, the question I have for you, Leo, is in producing this film, uh, you know, what is your 
conviction, really, about Christians, uh, you know, making an impact in the arts? To me, it's, it's very simple. You know, for the longest time, Christianity, uh, you know, Christendom was the home of the arts. You know, everywhere from Michelangelo to, you know, Raphael, Bernini, et cetera, et cetera. And even in the early history of cinema, some of the best films that were out there that were made, you know, It's a Wonderful Life, for Men for All Seasons, those sorts of things, On the Waterfront, just amazing Christian artists. And uh, not only Christian artists, but putting forth a Christian message, which, like you said, isn't necessarily the religious message, but it's a message that if our Lord was sitting watching the film, if our Lord was sitting there filming the film with us, we, wanna, we wouldn't have to cover his eyes and plug his ears. Well, that's good. To me, that's a Christian message. And the devil, he makes a thousand films a year, and he does them really, really, really cunningly and really, really, really well in, in the sense of art. But what he does is he divorces the truth and beauty of art mm. from the truth and beauty of morality, and that's the problem. So what we want to do is, we, you know, what Brokeback Mountain is trying to do against families, Bella, we want to do with families. What a million-dollar baby does for death or natural-born killer does for death, we want to do with Bella for life. And That's we good. want to send a signal to Hollywood that films that have good, clean, moral uh, messages and also uh, can entertain are really the future. Leo Severino, producer, co-writer of the new film, Bella. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, and God bless you. I ask the prayers of all of your, of your audience for this film, and if they, have, if they need any information about it, they can go to Bella, B-E-L-L-A, themovie.com, bellathemovie.com. All right, we want your prayer, and we want you to buy those tickets. All right, thanks so much. We've got a caller on the line right now, I believe, I hope, who has maybe seen this movie, Scott on the line from Dallas. Scott, have you seen this film, Bella, and what did you think? Yes, uh, my wife and I went to see it the other night, and uh, it was a very plain, very powerful uh, movie. Just loved it. I love New York City, so you feel like you're, uh, it's a day in the life of New York that you're, you, you get to know a family, and it's just uh, my wife, uh, her comment at the end was, this is a movie that had to have been told. The message of the movie is a message that had to be told. And so uh, we're going to be taking our kids to it. And, uh, uh, That's great, Scott. And everybody that we can. All right, Scott. Folks, I'm opening up the lines, 800-881-9270. If you've seen this movie, you want to comment on it, 800-881-9270. We're talking about the movie Bella, winner of the Toronto Film Festival. And when we come back, we're going to hear what Chuck Colson has to say about this movie. I think this is very important that Christians retake the arts. And Bella could be a new beginning for us. It is, by the way, a film that gives testimony to the sanctity of human life. One of the fundamental points of the Christian worldview. Later, we're going to talk about Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. We need leaders like that today. November 14th, the Criswell Radio Network's Town Hall Series is back. The Battle for the Truth, Beware the False Prophets, a town hall meeting to focus our gaze back on Christ and the truth of God's Word. What a great opportunity to remind people that what the Bible says is true. Truth. Special guest panelists include Dr. Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Dr. Robert Jeffress, pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Barry Cameron, pastor of Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie with special insight from John MacArthur, host of Grace to You, Dr. Tony Evans, pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, George Barna of the Barna Group, and more. Hosted by Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of the Criswell College in Dallas, Wednesday, November.
November 14th, 7 p.m., and live from Crossroads Christian Church. The truth. Fight for it with us. November 14th, only here on the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Well, that's former President Ronald Reagan. He was a God and country kind of a president. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. What a unique relationship they had. Both of these leaders transformed their countries and the world Where are those kind of leaders today, especially as we're looking for a new U.S. president? But, you know, Ronald Reagan was also an actor, and uh, he was a kind of a God and country kind of an actor. I remember a friend of mine said that uh, his mother wouldn't let him go see Hellcats of the Navy because of the word hell in that Hellcats of the Navy film. But actually, Reagan films were pretty patriotic. But we're looking for good movies today. We're looking for clean movies today, but also movies that have good art and especially movies that reflect a Christian worldview. And we're talking right now about the movie Bella. If you've seen it, we want you to call us at 800-881-9270. And the lines are full. And let's go right now to Mary in Arlington. Mary, thank you for calling and holding. Did you see this film? What do you think about it? Uh, Yes, we saw it the first weekend it was out. It was recommended to my husband by a friend of his who had seen a preview of it. And he said, you must see it. You really need to go, and so we got there as soon as we could, and it is fabulous. Mary says it is fabulous. I want to encourage you to go out tonight and see this film. It's Friday night. you got Saturday tomorrow. Go out and see this movie, Bella. Let's move on to Greg from Wiley. Greg, thank you for calling and holding. Have you seen the film, Greg? What do you yes. think about it? Yes, I did. I saw Bella. Um, actually, in a, a pre-screening uh, on a, a really cold... Uh, day, uh, and it more than uh, met my expectations. It was a definite triumph, and as as a dad who's always, the biggest arguments in our home are, you know, what our families can view, and this was really a movie for the whole family, and uh, especially um, our, uh, we have a teenage son that I just really want to see this film, um, just because I think uh, they're, they're true heroes that come out of this film, great characters, uh, and just a great family movie. Hey, well, that's good to hear, because everybody's looking for something they can take their family to. Thank you so much for calling. We've got Mike on the line from Trophy Club. You know, Mike, we're talking about this movie, Bella. Have you seen it? What do you think about it? Yes, my wife and I went to see it the first weekend, and it was fantastic. It uh, The acting is first class. The movie, it's just full of class, and it's just a great story, and I would recommend that everyone get to see that. It's a real treat, and we really enjoyed it. And hopefully it's going to come out on DVD one day, and, and uh, it has a great message. But it's probably one of the best movies out there anywhere. Uh, like I say, the class of it and the actors and actresses were top-notch. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Folks, we're talking about the movie Bella. You know, so many times Christians and uh, other conservatives say, you know, uh, 
we never see any more good movies. What's wrong with Hollywood? And uh, that's pretty much, I think, a valid complaint. But here we go. Here's your opportunity to go out and to see a great film and to support it. What have we heard? We've heard it's fantastic. We've heard it's first class. We've heard it's a treat. We've heard you'll enjoy it. We've heard it has a great message. So what are you waiting for? Go out and see the movie, Bella. Now, uh, we're talking about the Christian worldview on this show. That means a Christian way of looking at things. And um, I've always liked Chuck Colson. I think he does a very good job at talking about uh, viewing things Christianly. And how should we view art? And if Christians are going to make movies, um, they should be good movies. And so I want you to hear Chuck Colson's take on this movie, Bella. Here's Chuck Colson. When you go to see the movie Bella, you'll be struck by a series of simple but powerful images. A child running on a beach, a man dancing with a little girl, a butterfly sucked down a sink. The use of evocative imagery helps transform the film into something more than what it looks like on the surface. Just a story of two people spending a day together after getting fired from their jobs. You may be surprised to hear me focusing on Bella's use of imagery, because if you've heard of the film, you undoubtedly know it's the pro-life movie that many Christians have been talking about and promoting. And most people in the faith community have been focusing on the message of Bella, which is great, but we should also commend the movie the way it's been produced. This is what will draw non-Christians to see it, and it is what has earned the movie a surprising level of success at the box office and an award at the Toronto Film Festival. You see, what's gotten the movie to where it is are things like the imagery, the characters, and the story. This is the great thing about Bellar. It works as a movie. Many of us Christians are just now starting to realize how important that is. For too long, we've thought that the movies with Christian themes were supposed to be sermons, but that's precisely the kind of thinking that makes a movie fail on every level. People don't go to movies to be preached at. They go because they love and need good stories, and that's what good movies give them. Of course, a movie's worldview is a vital consideration, but we must get over the idea that all you need for a good movie is a good worldview. Bella shows this so well. Look at what the critics have been saying. Secular critics have been focusing on the cinematic aspects of the film. The slow pace of the movie, for instance, has been criticized by some who like their movies livelier. But these are criticisms of Bella as a movie, not as a sermon or propaganda. And the really funny thing is that some pro-lifers have become suspicious of Bella because they're saying if it's been so successful, how could it be truly pro-life? Wouldn't the critics and the public bar the door against it? No, this is proving they can't when it's really good art. Because when a movie works as a movie, it touches everyone. Consider the strength of the film's characters. The young mother-to-be and the chef who tries to help her are not black-and-white figures or caricatures, but deep, complex, flawed human beings. When Jose the chef sees his friend Nina get fired from the restaurant where they work, we see him gaze after the troubled woman with compassion. And then we see him impulsively risk his job by leaving the restaurant and running after her. When he finds out she's pregnant and wants to abort, we see his deep concern for her as well as for her child. We see, in short, a man to whom every human life, not just the child in the womb, but its mixed-up mother as well, is deeply valuable and worthy of love. That's the kind of character and message that can reach everyone where they live. And that's why secular audiences and critics may be glimpsing through this movie the power of a worldview that values every human life. And that's also why Christians may be learning from Bella what a good movie should be and what a really good movie can do. 
What a really good movie can do. That's Chuck Colson talking about the movie Bella. It's out tonight, tomorrow, Sunday. It's going to be out for a while, but you ought to go out and see it and support it. You know, there's a kind of momentum that goes with movies and movie going. I think Bella had a fairly strong opening, another strong week, uh, but it really needs to do well this week. But actually, I'm telling you to go see it so you don't miss it. Because we're hearing all these great reviews from Tony Bennett to Chuck Colson. And, um, but Chuck Colson talked about a Christian worldview, and he talked about the value of human life. This movie does have a message. All movies have a message. And one of the messages of this movie is the value, the sanctity of human life. And actually, I want to go back now to the star of the film, Eduardo Verustegui. Here he is on Neil Cavuto's show, talking about his motivation for making the movie and really for his own life. Before I was using my talents to serve myself, you know, in a very selfish way. And I think my message always to young people is to not seek to be a person of success. Seek to be a person of value, a person of integrity. That is success. And if by doing that, success comes, it's a blessing. Mother Teresa used to say that, you know, we are not called to be successful. We are called to be faithful to our values, to, you know, faithful to whatever you release are. In my case, I'm Catholic, faithful to God. Now, if by being faithful to God, success comes, hey, thanks be to God, this is a blessing. But if it doesn't come, thanks be to God, you're already successful by being faithful. And that's what really matters. That's Eduardo Verostegui. He's the star of the movie, Bello. It's really good to hear a movie star saying, hey, um, it's more important to be faithful than successful. It wasn't it great to hear... Uh, this man talk about the Lord. Wasn't it great a moment ago to hear Leo Severino, the producer and co-writer, talk about the Lord again and again and again? And did you hear him kick around some of the bad movies? It's just great to hear uh, someone from Hollywood actually be critical of movies that promote uh, homosexuality or euthanasia. Now, I'm not going to give away too much on this movie, but I have heard this. This could be the movie. This could be the movie to change the way Americans think about abortion. I've heard that. This could be the film to change the way at least people who are sitting on the fence think about abortion. Isn't this the movie, the kind of movie that we should support as Christians? I want to encourage you to get out and see this movie. And if for no other reason, I want to see that butterfly get sucked down the sink. Chuck Colson talked about that. That just sounded intriguing to me. Well, I want to invite you to go see Bella, but let's also do something else in the next week, and that is join me on November 14th. November 14th, our town hall's coming up. This is huge. It's huge. The battle for truth. Beware of false prophets. Go to the website, kcbi.org, and read about this um, town hall. You are invited And uh, this is sponsored by the Chriswell Radio Network. We're going to be interviewing Pastor Jack Graham, Pastor Robert Jeffries, Pastor Barry Cameron. It's at Crossroads Christian Church out near Grand Prairie. You want to be out there with us next Wednesday night. We'll allow you to ask questions from the audience. But there's a lot of false teaching out there. The name it, claim it, prosperity gospel. There's the oneness Pentecostal movement. There are people who are very popular on television, and they really don't believe that you must receive Jesus Christ in order to go to heaven, to be forgiven of sin. 
And uh, there's a lot of false, false prophecy out there. False prophets. Heretical doctrine. We're going to talk about that. And what's the antidote? What is the antidote to false doctrine? Somebody says, if you don't stand up for the truth, you will fall for anything. We're going to be talking about that. But coming up now... Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. Where are leaders like Reagan and Thatcher when we need them again? We're going to talk to an expert on this relationship and the role that faith played for Reagan and Thatcher. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. We have lost a great president, a great American, and a great man. And I have lost a dear friend. That's former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher speaking at the memorial service for former President Ronald Reagan. She says, I have lost a great friend. They did have a great friendship, and they were great leaders. Where are these kind of leaders today as we're looking for a new U.S. president does anyone measure up to that caliber of leadership? What should we be looking for? With us to talk about these two great leaders, the founding editor of the Times of London, current editor of the New York Sun, Nicholas Wapshot. He's written a book, Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, A Political Marriage. Welcome to the program, Mr. Wapshot. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing great. I want to ask you some questions about Reagan and Thatcher. Um, what made them such natural? It seems like they had a chemistry. What made for this alliance? I think it's because they, in their childhoods, they came to very similar conclusions. They had very similar grounding principles about uh, the free market and about religion, about the sort of moral principles that should sort of guide you in life. And even though it took, well, Ronald Reagan was 65 when he first met Margaret Thatcher in 1975. She was 15 years younger. And although they'd been separated by an ocean and uh, almost a whole generation, when they met each other, it was uh, one of those Dr. Livingston and Stanley moments, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, where they started finishing each other's sentences right off. It was an extraordinary event. And how close were they as, as the relationship developed? Uh, they became very close very quickly. I mean, I suppose it's one of those great truisms that, that old friendships actually happen instantaneously. You can know somebody for 20 years and you still don't know them very well. But uh, your real old and good friends, you, you uh, connect with instantly. And that's what those two did. They were put together really, uh, first of all, by a man called Justin Dart, who was one of the kitchen cabinet uh, of Ronald Reagan, who actually uh, funded him uh, proposed him, encouraged him to take the governorship and then, the, then to run for the presidency. Uh, but the person who actually, on um, Margaret Thatcher's side, who put them together was Dennis Thatcher, who'd been to a lecture in London at the Institute of Directors given by Ronald Reagan, and he went straight home and said, Margaret, there's a man who's saying exactly the same things as you. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and, and Thatcher was smart enough to get in touch with the Reagan office, and they started sending uh, his uh, half-hour Saturday broad, uh, weekly broadcasts in which he, along with anecdotes and homilies, everything, as you know, with Ronald Reagan was, was uh, lubricated with a bit of humor and a bit of a joke right, and a bit right. of a personal reminiscence. And uh, she just thought it was the most wonderful stuff because it was very rare, back in the mid-70s anyway, when the consensus on uh, both sides uh, of, the, of the aisle, as it were, in Britain, 
uh, certainly here too, the Republicans and the Democrats, not too much between, to choose between them. And both Ronald mm-hmm. Reagan and Margaret Thatcher decided that actually what was needed was to provide a real genuine alternative to the post-war consensus and to come up with some true conservative beliefs. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Nicholas Wapshot. He's written the book, Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, A Political Marriage. Nicholas, I want you to listen again to Margaret Thatcher speaking at Ronald Reagan's memorial service. In his lifetime, Ronald Reagan was such a cheerful and invigorating presence that it was easy to forget what daunting historic tasks he set himself. He sought to mend America's wounded spirit, to restore the strength of the free world, and to free the slaves of communism. His politics had a freshness and optimism that won converts from every class and every nation, and ultimately from the very heart of the evil empire. Nicholas, I want to ask you this question. You know, a lot of times uh, folks get real cynical. They think nothing can change or be changed. We're getting ready to elect a new president next year here in the United States. Would you just talk about the finest achievements of Reagan and Thatcher, of this alliance, and it might encourage folks to be reminded that things can be changed. Things can indeed be changed. Uh, by the way, what an extraordinarily uh, moving speech that was. Yes. Uh, almost Churchillian, those cadences, mm-hmm. uh, an astonishing tribute from one great leader to another. Uh, what did they achieve? Well, as she said, uh, I th- I'm just paraphrasing, but she, uh, that both Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher uh, uh, cured the wounded spirit of the nation. It's uh, again, it's hard to remember unless you're uh, as old as me. Uh, that uh, by the mid 70s, both America and Britain had rather lost heart. Uh, America had put up with a great deal of uh, turmoil thanks to the Vietnam War, for, uh, quickly followed by uh, the travesty of the presidency of, Ron, of uh, sorry, Richard Nixon, mm-hmm. and then the disappointing years of Jimmy Carter, uh, the national malaise, if you can remember yes. all of that. Oh, yeah. And in Britain, uh, as Dean Acheson said so wisely back in the early 50s, uh, Britain was a country that had lost an empire but was still searching for a role. Mm. And what Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan did above all was to uh, turn the country around, get everybody to face in the same direction, and to head off in a very optimistic uh, spirit. And, of course, Ronald Reagan always described America as the shining city on the hill. And uh, his optimism and his uh, cheery personality... And uh, in Britain's case, uh, we didn't need somebody necessarily as, uh, we're a bit more cynical maybe about people who are quite as smiley as Ronald Reagan was. What Margaret Thatcher did was almost take the nation by the scruff of the neck and say, look, you know, we used to be great and we're not great anymore and this is why and this is how we can put it right. So first of all, restoring the, the national equilibrium. Second thing very important is that they both uh, changed the nature of the debate, so the, the political debate both in America and Britain. Uh, the consensus had been pretty fixed for uh, the 40 years following uh, the, or the 35 years following the uh, World War II. And what they did was to say that actually a lot of government intervention is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. The free market has enormous virtues. And uh, what we really ought to do is to start to strip back some of the accretions that the government has taken away from personal lives and liberties over the course of decades in America since the New Deal and in Britain since uh, really wartime and then followed by six years of pretty good uh, social democracy. 
And uh, so they changed the nature of the debate. Third most important thing, of course, was they decided that the Cold War was not something that you should appease. The mm. communists in Moscow were not people you could get along with. What you had to do was to confront them. What they would, uh, I mean, I think Ronnie Reagan once said, uh, my view of the Cold War, we should win it. <laughs> That's good. That they, was a change, though. That was a change in policy. Total change. President after president after president had accommodated the Soviet leadership, uh, tried to make, their, make friends with them, tried to do trade deals or sign arms limitation talks and so on. Uh, Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher both came to the conclusion very quickly, one of the things that bound them so closely together was to say, we could just bring this to an end. Uh, I don't know that they knew quite how uh, frail the Soviet Union was. It was an enormous amount of saber-rattling and sort of uh, rather like in the Wizard of Oz, you know, the way that the Wizard of Oz sat behind the great machine <laughs> making boogie-woogie noises. Uh, but uh, anyway, they, the great thing is the two of them together called mm. the bluff of the Soviet Union and said, OK, we'll just outspend you. And the fact is the Soviet Union economy, of course, having endured uh, 60, 70 years of communism and... Uh, just fell uh, apart. Direction just fell apart, just collapsed. Oh. Uh, you know, just one sneeze and they were gone. We're talking with Nicholas Wapshot. He's written the book... Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, A Political Marriage. Nicholas, we're very interested in the role of faith. Uh, these were great leaders. What was the role of faith in their greatness? It was very important in their founding morality. Both of them, their, their families were very important to them. That was the, the initial key. Uh, even though Ronnie Reagan's father was uh, the town drunk, really, and he had uh, many things in his uh, early years that, uh, that he smoothed over or, or tried to forget. Uh, beyond the family, however, there was a very strong Christian upbringing in, in, for both families. Uh, Ronnie Reagan, his father Jack, in fact, was a Roman Catholic, and his elder brother Neil was baptized a Catholic, but his mother uh, instead took to a smaller uh, Protestant sect called the uh, Disciples of Christ yes. in Dixon, Illinois. And uh, that's where, first of all, he was welcomed by them and felt entirely at home uh, with their teachings. But it was also where he uh, first started performing. He was very happy to read the lesson. He was very happy to uh, tell uh, Bible stories to the assembled people. And that's where he really got his appetite for the theatricality, which led him later into Hollywood. Margaret Thatcher, I, uh, very, very similar. Uh, in Grantham in Lincolnshire, a small town on the main road between London and Edinburgh, at halfway almost, uh, she was brought up in the Methodist Church, uh, again, outside of the family, which was very tight, two daughters uh, and uh, mother and father living above a shop. Uh, they, uh, the local Methodist Church was the next circle out from that family in terms of influence. Uh, very comforting, uh, very friendly. Uh, they were very strict, mind you. Uh, she was never allowed to go and see movies on a Sunday. She was never allowed to read newspapers on a Sunday even. Oh, wow. She was not allowed to, allowed to read novels on a Sunday. Uh, that's pretty strict. Pretty staunch. Uh, at the same time, she also, like, like Ronnie Reagan, learned to perform there. I, I even met the, the man who taught her how to play the church organ. And uh, that's where she ended up with a great passion for church music and so on. And it led to just an, an, an instinctive understanding about what was good and what was bad, good and evil. I mean, it's a pretty good lesson. And when she walked into Dining Street, she turned around on the steps of Dining Street, and she read uh, the prayer of, Sans, of Francis of Assisi, which uh, I must say for a British politician had not been, I don't think any Christian <laughs> words have been heard on the steps of Dining Street for probably 50 years since Churchill. Wow. Final question. We're almost out of time. Peggy Noonan has just written that Hillary Clinton is no Iron Lady. Do you agree? 
Uh, well, uh, I'm sure that Peggy Newland's met uh, Hillary, as I have, and I must say, uh, she seemed pretty steely to me. <laughs> Do you see a Reagan in the pack? Do you see a Reagan in the pack of Republican candidates? I'm afraid I don't. Uh, I, mean, I don't. No, there are all sorts of people who are as old as Ronald Reagan. Some have been as married as often as Ronald Reagan. But I'm afraid, you know, I feel a bit, you know, like Lloyd Benson, you know. Uh, I knew Ronnie Reagan, and you all know Ronnie Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go there. Nicholas Wapshot has written the book, Reagan and Thatcher, A Political Marriage. Thank you for being with us. Pleasure. When we come back, we'll be talking about Fred Thompson on abortion. Fred Thompson on homosexual marriage and contrasting that with Rudy Giuliani. You don't want to miss that. November 14th, the Criswell Radio Network's Town Hall Series is back. Barry Cameron. A man named Don Piper has written a book called 90 Minutes in Heaven, where he details the story of a tragic car accident where he was dead for 90 minutes, and during that time, he claims he physically, actually went to heaven. He said his most vivid memory of heaven is what I heard. He said he didn't hear songs like the old rugged cross or the nail-scarred hand. I thought, you know, I think I remember something over in Revelation. The revelation about heaven that we do have, and we have God's Word on it, seems to say something else. Revelation 5.11, John says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang. Now listen to what they sang. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. The Battle for the Truth, November 14th, only here on the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. What vastly popular Texas preacher will not say when interviewed that you must know Jesus Christ to go to heaven? You're going to find that out next week at our town hall, The Battle for Truth. Beware of false prophets. What Texas preacher, vastly popular, another one now, denies the orthodox doctrine of the Trinity. You're going to find that out next week at our town hall, The Battle for Truth, Beware of False Prophets. What best-selling author claims that he died and went to heaven, and he's come back with, quote, a revelation, and it's not biblical? You're going to find that out next week at our town hall. It's called The Battle for Truth, Beware of False Prophets. It's Wednesday, November 14th at Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie. I'm going to be there moderating a panel. You'll have Dr. Robert Jeffries from First Baptist Church Dallas. You'll have Dr. Jack Graham from Prestonwood Baptist Church and Dr. Barry Cameron of Crossroads Christian Church. John MacArthur will be on the phone line to talk with us about it. Next week, a banner week here on Jerry Johnson Live, a special edition starting at 7 o'clock next Wednesday night. But also next week, we have Dr. Richard Land coming on, Dr. Tom Rayner coming on, and the former Secretary of Defense, William Cohen, to be on Monday. I mean, we have a power-packed week next week. I encourage you to tune in. Now, I like that last guest. Did you notice he said Ronald Reagan had a view about the Cold War? What was that view when he was asked? What's your view of the Cold War? Reagan said, 
We should win it. I like that view because we're in a war right now against Islamo-terrorism, the war on terror. And that's my view. We should win it. And that was what was at stake in the nomination of our Attorney General. Michael Mukasey has now been sworn in as President Bush's new Attorney General. Here's the report. The ceremony took place in private at the Justice Department and other public ceremonies planned next week at the White House. Mukasey narrowly won confirmation despite objections from Senate Democrats that he would not declare the interrogation of terror suspects by supervised drowning, torture, and therefore illegal. The retired New York judge inherits a Justice Department in turmoil with a number of high-level openings, reports of widespread morale problems, and thorny disputes stemming from the war on terror. Mark Smith at the White House. All right, so we now have an attorney general, and we need an attorney general because it is the attorney general's job to prosecute these terrorists that are in the United States, these Islamo-fascists, these Islamo-terrorists who are working with these sleeper cells, and they mean to do us harm. And it's not made the headlines, and people don't remember, but we have broken up again and again and again these terror plots. And all of that comes out of the Attorney General's office. These people are being prosecuted. It's a good thing we've got a new man on the job to protect us against the terrorist. Well, every day we're hearing new news about the presidential race. And I want to listen now to uh, some of these candidates talk about one another and their views. And first of all, I want us to, to go to Fred Thompson because he's drawing a sharp contrast between himself and Rudy Giuliani when it comes to illegal immigration. Here's Fred Thompson. While I was voting and working for the passage of the bill to outlaw sanctuary cities, Mayor Giuliani was going to court to overturn the bill that we just passed so that he could keep his sanctuary city. Okay, so a couple of days ago, Pat Robertson endorses Rudy Giuliani, and a lot of Christians are saying, what in the world is going on? We're just in the primary season. Why would Pat support Rudy? Rudy is pro-choice, effectively pro-abortion. Rudy is pro-homosexual recognition, marriages, unions, special rights. And Rudy is pro-illegal immigration. That is, he's operating, was operating a sanctuary city. And Fred Thompson says, uh, in fact, when the Senate was passing legislation against sanctuary cities, Rudy, Rudy was challenging that in the courts. He was supporting the concept of a sanctuary city. Now, I want to tease right now an idea we're going to talk about later, but here's Fred Thompson on Meet the Press uh, talking about abortion. Before Roe versus Wade, states made those decisions. Uh, I think people ought to be free uh, at state and local levels to make decisions that even Fred Thompson disagrees with. That's what freedom is all about. Okay, this is fascinating to me because uh, Fred Thompson is getting a lot of conservative report support. and um, But Fred Thompson has said, look, I think Roe versus Wade, the pro-abortion ruling of the Supreme Court, he says, was, was false, uh, bogus, um, fallacious reasoning, and I think it should be overturned. But what would happen then? Well, abortion law would go back to the states. 
And Thompson is not really supporting a constitutional amendment to ban abortion. He says, I think it should go back to the states. He's also said the same thing about uh, homosexual marriage. He says, I'm not supporting the strategy of a constitutional amendment to define marriage. Actually, I think this should go to the states. Now, he is proposing an amendment that would uh, allow states to choose for themselves and keep uh, any state from imposing their view on another. But it is a different tactic, a different tactic. Next week, we're going to have Dr. Richard Land on the program. And actually, um, he has seemed, although he's not endorsed a candidate, he has seemed to be gravitating, in my view, towards Thompson. And I'm going to ask him what he thinks about Thompson's tactic here, Thompson's pro-life tactic, Thompson's pro-marriage tactic. Is this the right strategy or tactic for Christians not to push for the constitutional amendment, but instead to push this back to the states? I have a conviction about this. There's not time for it today, but I will be revealing my conviction about this. In fact, I support that tactic on one of those issues, but not on the other. And to find out which is which, you'll have to tune in next week. Let's see what Dr. Land thinks about this. So we're pro-life, we're pro-marriage, but we have a different strategy or maybe a different tactic. Well, that's why I want to encourage you to get out to see that movie, Bella, because it's about changing hearts. It's entertaining. It's art. It's class. We've heard all of that. It's first class. But actually, it will encourage Americans to respect the sanctity of human life. The Bible says in Genesis 1, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. When you look at a human life, you are looking at an imager of God. That is the price and the premium that God places on human life from the womb to the tomb. Every human life is sacred and has value because it images the Creator. This is Jerry Johnson Live. Don't miss the town hall next Wednesday night, and you'll find out who those false prophets are. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.